Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire and Becoming a Techno Wizard in one again. <laughs> um, just want to share some quick thoughts that I had because it's been difficult to set this up as a habit again, you know, with all this other stuff going on in my life. So I got to figure all that out. But some things I want to talk about today, let's see if I actually get to any of them. I don't have a whole lot of time, but <laughs> all right. So I got... Um, I'm going to talk about marketing and how our needs versus wants, if it's the same thing, if it's different, um, how marketing is being used today and how it should be used or can be used. Um, I want to talk about, in relation to that, the problem of demos, preview builds, vertical slices, and just building hype inside of gaming. I want to talk about the future of gaming and how that's going to coincide with kind of our life in general. I talked about this a little bit before in other podcasts, probably a couple of years ago, but I uh, want to get back to that. I um, want to talk about a little bit, a little, a little bit about Chaos Box Company or RTC. Uh, I think that's what it's called. They have a product called Chaos Box, which is like an AI that um, that dynamically can can have dynamic behavior in, in chat and and chat logs and or dialogues and stuff like that which is super interesting i want to talk about progress and uh, <laughs> where we're going as a society and whether or not that is a good sort of progress I've talked about this before so in our last really few episodes i'm not might not go too much into it I want to talk about productivity um why it's not really as it, it it's kind of a red herring almost <laughs> in a lot of types of work that we do nowadays at least in in um what, what they call it um thought work or like where you you know using computers and all this stuff rather than just um physical you know work where you have to like produce a certain amount of things is more about the quality of your work so productivity is kind of ugh, misnomer so i want to talk about that i want to talk about inequality and whether or not being rich is bad like just in and of itself it seems some people will tell you yes some people tell you no, depending, usually depending on how much money they have. But <laughs> um, as a person who does want to be a trillionaire, right, it's something I, I'm considering and reconsidering, um, especially in, 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 in regards to research I have been reading about inequality in general. Um, I want to talk about the subjectivity of value and how we place value on things and how, you know, um, that creates much of our society and our economy and our technology, and especially in relation to NFTs, because that's something I have been talking about in blockchain in general for a long time. Like I, I just this morning, because I, I, I knew I was talking about this before, but I didn't know what episode. I have an episode called uh, Why Jason Calacanis May Be Wrong About Blockchain in terms of immutability, immutability um, way back that I, I did way back in 2019, September 20th, 2019. And I was, uh, uh, that was not the first time I talked about um, NFTs and blockchain. I talked about it before in my blog. It's probably even longer than that, but I have to go and search. But um, yeah, <laughs> so those are all the things I want to kind of go over. All right. So let's see how much I have time for. This is going to be like like <laughs> lightning lightning round. Okay, so needs, needs versus wants. So I got to thinking about this because I was watching a, a video by um, Alana on a Pierce or something like that, her last name is, but she does a lot of, you know, 
game related videos, game reviews, game play, game writing, all that stuff. And um, she did a video talking about Cyberpunk 2077 and why and the and why it it was the way it is, right? Um, so that was sort of in relation to preview builds about how a lot of times in gaming, um, developers create preview builds for reviewers or for the press or whatever to go to look at, right? Because they don't have the game finished. It's a very complicated game. It takes a lot of time and effort and money to create it. And so they create preview builds so that it's just a vertical slice. It's just like a small little demo version of the game that they can give to people and be like, oh yeah, this is what we have. This is what we're doing, blah, 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 right? The idea kind of makes sense, especially in the beginning of, a, of, of stages of a game. It's like it makes sense for people to make vertical slices so that you can sell, so that you can get pitch, I mean, get investment, you know, when you pitch and stuff like that. Because people need to see, kind of visualize what your dreams are, what, what you're trying to build. If you can't do that, it, it becomes extremely difficult. Take that as a, as a, and I get it as a person who has really big dreams and stuff like that, but has problems visuals, visualizing those dreams, right? It's really hard for other people to understand what you want to do. So I definitely get the purpose and the, the value of vertical slices and demos and preview builds. The problem, however, and as she pointed out in her video, is that they it takes away, especially once you once you already started developing a game, once you've already gained funding and all this have a team working on the game, and you're still trying to build a preview build just to give to marketing purposes or to get more investment or something like that, right? It it creates it takes away from the production of the game because you have to create a different branch of the game, right? Because again, the game is so complicated. There's a lot of things going on. It's not gonna really work the same way. You can't just take what you have going on and just show that to other people because it's not playable, right? And so preview builds allows other people to see what's going on. And, and usually it's used to drum a pipe, right? To give to marketing and all this other stuff, like I said before. But again, because it's taken away from the development of the game, like it's taking away resources, development time, um, usually like testing doesn't go through testing, you know, um, and it's a, it's a less complicated version than everything else. And so very often, especially in gaming, it creates a, a hype train and it, cre it creates a um, difference, right? A difference of expectations in terms of, oh, this is what your game can be. And then it releases and it's not that. So not only is it on top of the problems of, you releasing a game, you know, late or with a lot of bugs, but a lot of the time you released the game you, before you had a preview build that was like the perfect version of your game, but because it was just a little itty bitty, you know, percentage of it, but it took so much time and money and effort into that little percentage that takes away from, from the, the bigger plan, the bigger, you know, the real product. And so you created a double problem where on one side you wrote you risen the expectations of your players and your investors and your and 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 people looking to retail whatever retailers you know that you raise their expectations of it saying by saying hey this is what we're building and then you also taken away you know the resources that could be used for building an actual game so i think we should really be reconsidering doing those sorts of things or, or, you know, the game industry and really tech industry should be reconsidering doing those sorts of things. Cause I've heard the same thing looking at um, podcasts and videos by folks like Gary Tan and folks like, um, 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 shoot, what's his name? Khan, 
I can't believe I forgot his name, but the one of the founders of Twitch. But they always they're always talking. And Jason Callaghan is a number of investors who who talk about how you need to you can't just keep looking for funding, right? Because that takes away time from actually building a good product. So funding should only be like a specific time in your in your company's kind of lifetime that you're or your like years or year or month. Like you only have a few months or a few whatever a set time where you're looking for investment and you're building towards that. But the rest of the time you need to be focusing on building that product because usually it's not the same, right? It, you have to focus on one or the other. And so you don't want to keep looking for investment because that is taken away from your actual product. So yeah, um, that's, I just wanted to get that out. And that's something I'm considering and, and I'm, you know, taking into consideration as well. I'm building my own business. And then in terms of um, this, you know, chaosboxrtc.org or .com, you know, they have a really awesome product that they, that they did. I just talked to them and saw their demo. And that was so cool to see where they were building, like they had this little, you know, um, bank sequence, uh, bank robbery in place. And you had the player, you know, who was going around trying to, trying to, you know, rob a bank. And then you had NPCs, you know, who weren't, aren't scripted, you know, but they, they reacting to the situation. And they did a whole bunch of these different these different scenarios with some of them, you know, the NPCs might go run and hide or different NPCs are doing different things, right? One will go hide, one will go and try to fight, you know, um, one will go and try to call the cops or something like that. And these are all unscripted. So that was really cool. And I really hope they, you know, they do more of that. Their kind of goals is to get to a point where we can have, you know, not just dynamic um, AI for game scripts, but for using anything so um like movies where you can you know have them have it going kind of live right um or at least you don't in movies you don't have to you don't have to build out every you know um background character those can be like especially if it's an animated movie or something like that right those can be dynamically created on the spot and they react to the situation um meanwhile you know you have the actual actors can actually focus on these this, this pure thing same thing for games where instead of a lot of people having to build out all these random, you know, arcs and scripts for, you know, these random characters that might only have one or two lines, um, instead you could just have all of those dynamically created. And so now your writers and storytellers can just focus on making a good story with the key players, the key, you know, factors. And that, that can also, you know, make realities like what Cyberpunk was trying to do a reality, right? Where you have a whole city of NPCs of characters who are all going about their day you know, and they react appropriately is very dense. It's very realistic, right? You can do that with their product. Um, and they're working with a lot of people. So they're, they're, they just, you know, closed or are almost closing a, a second round of funding or another round of funding. So I'm very excited to see what they're doing. Um, just wanted to, you know, bring that to the fore. And then another one in terms of progress, like, we, we're getting to a point with our technology where we're getting more and more like that quote by uh, terrible with names, but um, where it says, you know, we have prehistoric um, behaviors or whatever, um, medieval institutions and godlike technology. And that really is becoming more and more true as the days and years goes by. And uh, we really have to consider, you know, what is the, what is the, what is the aim of our of our progress like 
are we just progressing just to pro progress, you know, and, and, and at what cost? That's the big thing, too. That's what I've really been thinking about nowadays. It's like, at what cost does our progress come to? Because right now, it seems like that cost is our mental health, right? Our, our privacy, our um, even our agency a lot of times, right? Where we have these companies making choices for us in terms of what we should look at, you know, the content that we see online and this data that's being used and sold, you know, kind of behind our backs. There's a whole, I wrote this post, um, like little short post on LinkedIn earlier, where I said, you know, terms of service, privacy policies, you know, data caching, stuff like that. These are all being just the tip of the iceberg of the data market that is being, you know, bought and sold by all these big companies and even, you know, smaller companies where they literally can, you know, sell your data for anything, not just advertisements, but also it's being used for things like recommendation engines. So that's how you see it. it that's how it determines what you see when you Google something or when you scroll through social media, like literally every single thing you see is recommended based on data that was taken from you. Right. And I'm phrasing it that way because this data is it, it makes choices for us, right? It shows us what we see. Like if you and I Google the same thing on Google, or <laughs> if you and I search the same thing on Google or really any search engine, we would probably see different things, right? Just based on our browsing habits and a number of other things. So it doesn't seem that bad, right? It seems like, oh yeah, we're getting more targeted things. But in, in reality, that is that creates the filter bubble, right? That creates this issue where you and I have alternative facts, where we have different information and, and things that just don't make sense to each other, where it's hard for people to communicate because they're so divided in terms of the truth, right? Their source of truth, um, quote unquote. So it's, it's a bad, I think it's a really bad um, system that we have set up and we really have to think about how we're going to be using that. Um, Michael, uh, what's his name? Ah, oh, gosh, I'm so terrible with names. I should have wrote these names down <laughs> and told what he notes, but um, this, uh, I talked about him before. He's building a, a tool called Learning Pathmakers, where he's talking about digital agency, digital sovereignty, where you own your data. And I think that's going to be more and more towards where we where we should be going. Where instead of you, the company's just saying, "Oh, these are terms of service, agree or don't use this product." No, instead, it's going to be this is the data that we're asking, and you, they have to request each point of data from you. Now, it seems like a lot, but there's it's just that's just a design thing, right? You can you can build an interface where it's like, okay, you want this data, um, this data, this data is going to go here, right? This is the money you can get from this data. This is really just a design thing, so. As we think more and more about, you know, how we get that data, where it's coming from, where it's going, you know, how it impacts our life. Because again, this is not just online. This is also offline. Like it's going to be used for credit. It already is being used for credit, for loans, for, you know, all this other stuff <laughs> offline um, that fintech companies and other companies are using to decide, you know, how, what, what you get access to. And that's a really, that's a really dangerous thing. So yeah, that's something for us to consider. Productivity, um, you know, like I said, I kind of said before really is that we, we need to be focused less on productivity and less on how many things we do in a given span of time or how many widgets you can deliver, how many products you can deliver and more on the quality, right? And that quality should be a factor of how, how good this is for the user, right? 
And I don't mean, that's another thing in terms of back at the top where I was saying with uh, users, uh, I mean, wants and needs, right? Marketing should not be used for trying to persuade people that you need this thing. I think that's where marketing has gone wrong in the modern day century. And maybe even, you know, ever since the industrial age where instead of us marketing, like marketing to me should be used for awareness to show people, hey, this thing that you need, that you, that you actually want, right? It exists, right? And this is where you can get it. This is where, how it works, blah, blah, blah. But instead, a lot of marketing is used for, oh, um, you have a problem and here's something that might maybe solve that problem. Or here's, you know, here's something that looks cool and shiny and it solves this problem that we say that you, you might have <laughs> or whatever, right? Like, like it's trying, it's like try, they try to engineer a problem, try to engineer a, a solution for that imagined problem. And that's why a lot of people feel like, you know, we have all this amazing technology and resources and stuff out there, but, you know, these apps or these, you know, businesses aren't really created to aren't really created to solve quote unquote real problems right it, it feels like there's not much technology to solve quote unquote real problems so i think you know marketing needs to be used more for giving providing awareness towards things that already exist that really solve your problems and quote unquote actual problems like you know how to get food you know how to get uh healthy food you know, and not just, oh, this, this is healthy because we say it is. No, that has actually been researched. That has scientific evidence showing, you know, this is a really healthy food and this is healthy for you. This is healthy for the environment, so on and so forth, right? A lot of people are, are, are wanting to care more about the environment and their own health and all that other stuff. But the products that we have now is kind of unverified. And that leads me to NFTs. So you hear a lot about that super popular nowadays, but NFTs are often being not just being used for like art and, and I don't have nothing wrong with that. But as I've been saying for years now, NFTs and any blockchain, I think can be used for data transparency for the fact that it can show you exactly where something came from and who's paying for it and all this stuff and what, like what contributes to it. And so instead of us, you know, saying, hey, this is healthy, right? You can have an NFT that is minted when a scientist does a peer review study on an object, on, a, on, a, on a, a, a type of food or whatever. And that token, right? That signature goes along with the food or with any product, right? You manage for any product, but I'm using food as an example. So if it's saying this food is super healthy for the environment, and the and the person right this has been peer reviewed by this you know group of scientists and it's boom it's it's locked in it's it's in the food right it's in the um packaging right and it shows you exactly and if you if you want you can do look look at it with a qr code with ar or whatever you want to call it and we'll show you the the trace of the, here's the people that researched it here's the people that funded that all of that can be can be done with blockchain technology and that's the use case that i do not see people talking about and I think that's so, that's kind of missing the point, right? Everybody's focused on art and, you, oh, you can buy and sell things uh, and, and, and engineering scarcity and all that stuff. I think that's a backwards look, way of looking at it. Yes, it's useful that any artist can make an art and put it out there. Yes, great. I've talked about that before. But we need to be talking about transparency and the fact that you can tie in actual research, you can tie in verified truth 
to any product or service or process and say, and you can point to the people that looked at it, the people that researched it, the people that funded it, right? So, you know, who's paying for something if you, so, you know, you know, if, if that research, cause sometimes the research is, is like, um, you know, it's kind of a lie, right? It's funded by these people who have, who have certain interests and they have confirmation bias about what they want to see and they mess up the whole research. So if you have an NFT that's actually showing, uh, like it has a blockchain, you know, sequence showing, okay, this block is showing you the researchers, this block is showing you the funding, this block is showing you um, the peer reviews, all that stuff, right? And so every time you buy a product, you can actually see the history of it. You can see, you know, all of that, that data. And that's what is, is really missing. That's, I think, something that we should be talking about. So, um, yeah, my time is almost up. Uh, hope I, uh, <laughs> I think I covered pretty much everything. Um, yeah, so that's it. And uh, that was cool for a lightning round. I might do more of these. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Hopefully you liked it too. And thanks again. Thanks for listening. Um, if you have anything to say, you know, put it in the comments or email me or message me on, on LinkedIn or whatever. Logic Claude, super simple, E-L-I-J-A-C-L-A-U-D-E. You know where to find me anywhere in the metaverse, anywhere in time and space and continuum. <laughs> Hit me up. Let's go. Let's build and let's build a better future. And um, thanks. Bye-bye.